Yo, yo, what up everyone? This is your life coach, Jacob Sokol, and welcome to WTF Should I Do With My Life. You're about to access a roadmap specifically designed for people in our generation, like you and me, who are looking to figure out how to create a life filled with happiness, success, and a deep sense of purpose, while simultaneously dealing with the challenges of today. This interview is with Elena Brower. Elena is the founder and co-owner of Vera Yoga, the author of Art of Attention, and has taught yoga for over 16 years. You cannot make the world a better place unless you've done that inside of yourself in a deep and profound way. Those are the words of Elena Brower. In this interview, you're going to learn about how young adults can develop a deep sense of passionate community in our lives. You'll also learn what to do when our parents are play-a-hating on our dreams and how we can rock our goals by using a system of promises and consequences. Hey, Elena. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you so much. Yeah, my pleasure. I'm really excited to get you to share some of the wisdom you have with this generation, and I'd love to introduce people to more about who you are and what your story is, and I think it would be really cool if we could start the conversation by you just sharing some of the challenges that you faced as a young adult and how that led you to be where you are today. Well, I... I remember being 15 recently because I have a stepson who's 13. And when I was 15, I had, uh, I actually had a drug problem. I was um, addicted to marijuana, and that continued into, well, into my adulthood and still, you know, it still plays a role today. I have major boundaries for myself around all substance use. And I remember being 15, and I remember realizing that this was a problem, and I remember resisting that this was a problem. And I remember a couple of friends who were able to be there with me and, you know, be my my allies, but also help me understand that it wasn't okay for that to be ruling my life. And that was the beginning of a long road of me learning about moderation and learning that I could be in a place where I trusted myself. But it didn't take until I really, I don't think I really, really understood what that meant until I was well into my 40s. And that said, had I known a couple of things that I know now, which are easily um, communicable in terms of ideas and concepts, I think I would have trusted myself more and I think I would have had uh, a slightly less sort of complex time between then and now. And so what I'd love to share today are a couple of really cool um, possibilities with your generation and your listeners um, where we can start to build trust in ourselves in a way that helps us to stay on our plan and stay with our vision and become what it is that we know we can become. Um, and I that's love that it. I think, yeah, that's <laughs> it. I think that I think that it gives us a little bit of direction um, for our chat to um, to get into some of the concepts that I've been working on myself as an adult that I wish I had known as a kid and are being offered now to teens um, through a company called Handel Group and they're a coaching company. And while I am a yoga teacher and I I 
I say yoga for everybody, whatever age you are, do yoga as much as you can. You feel so strong in your body and so clear and so um, comfortable in your skin. Um, there's also this coaching that breaks down our behaviors one at a time in a way that's completely understandable and completely helpful and brings us to uh, that trust in ourselves. And that, I think, is critical, uh, you know, in that, in that age yeah, so I'd love to go deeper into that, but be- before we yeah. do, can you share a little bit more about um, kind of what you do and uh, what's brought you to the point? I know that um, you're immersed in the yoga world, and for the people who aren't mm-hmm. so familiar with uh, who you are or what you do, can you can you just share kind of how you got to that point? Absolutely. Um, so my name is Elena Brower, and I... <laughs> I went to um, I went to Cornell University in um, from 1998 to 1992. I'm 40, almost 42 years old, and I studied clothing design, apparel and textile design, um, which is so fun and funny. And I did that for seven, eight years. I lived in Italy for two years. I had a really nice uh, little career brewing. And at a certain point in 1997, I realized that I did not want to be in this sort of cycle of producing clothing and producing fabric and then um, selling it and then getting right back in and making more and it it just felt really wasteful and weird and I wasn't helping anybody. I didn't have uh, a whole lot of human contact and I decided to leave Italy and come back to New York. And I didn't know what I was going to do but I knew I wanted to teach somebody. So I looked around for some programs and I found at the New School a program to teach art to children. And so I went into the art education program, and I completed that. I never actually got certified um, to teach, but I completed the year-long program. I did a half a year in one school, great private school in the city, half a year in another one, and rocked. I I love teaching kids. Um, But somewhere in the middle of that, I took a yoga class with a gal called Cindy Lee, who ended up being the owner and founder of OM, which was open for 15 years in New York. It's super, super successful. Um, one of the biggest yoga studios in New York, and she trained me. She gave me my first teacher training. And from there, I started teaching yoga. And what I realized is that I was better at teaching yoga to my peers um, and felt more connected to that mission than I did to teaching art to children at that time. So I started doing that, and it was in 1997-98. Things just got really, really big, really fast, and I became you know, one of the sort of go-to big classes in New York. And eventually, with the help of a dear friend of mine, opened up a studio in 2002 um, and have been open ever since, 10 years now, and we're in Soho. It's called Vera Yoga. It's a beautiful, beautiful studio. And um, so that's what I do. A couple of years ago, I came across a woman called Lauren Zander who is, uh, the head of that company that I mentioned, the Handel Group, and they're a life coaching company. And what they do is they are teaching people how to tell the truth. We don't know how. Most of us did not have a really great example or do not have a really great example. We were raised in houses where either there was just crazy yelling all the time because people were afraid or nobody talked because people were afraid. And as a result, we, we create around us all of these secrets and pockets of lies and things that aren't said and things that are said in a slightly different, not quite the truth way and start to build a life 
and a whole persona on a bed of lies. And we don't even realize that we're doing it because it's so normal because our parents are doing it. You know, they're, they're in our houses saying everything is so fucked, pardon my French, everything is so bad inside of the house, and then we leave the house, we get in the car, we go to a place where everybody else is, and everything's fine, oh, hi, everything's great, how are you? Great, yes, this is my gorgeous child. Everything is cool, and it's it just, everything um, starts to become a big farce. And if you're listening to this and you feel this way, you are so not alone, and um, you know, be proud of yourself for being able to identify it and for wanting to do something about it. And I wanted to do something about it. And I was 40, and um, very shortly after I met the coach and, the, and, you know, became a part of this company where I was starting to bring all the yoga people into this because the yoga people are just as bad. They're sitting in yoga, <clears throat> doing their practice, and then going home and, you know, smoking cigarettes or, you know, being mean to their husbands. You know, and then yoga, they're all great. And what I decided was that I really wanted in on this. Shortly after I met them, um, my mom got really sick, cancer, which has now um, been healed. But yeah, it was then that I really got this sort of fire lit under me and wanted to do something about it. So I started, I literally just had to be kind. I had to be kind to my parents. I had to be um, caring with my sister. I had to take more time to... Um, show her son that I cared about him. There were all these little things that I just was not doing and saying I was close with my family. (laughs) You know what I mean? And finally, I just got their feedback. I said, okay, tell me how I'm doing. And it was like, well, not so great, actually. And here's what you can do. And that was a beautiful thing. And now, you know, that was the the beginning of, um, you know, making it right with my family and starting to tell the truth all around and making it okay for other people to tell me the truth. And that's what I think is kind of the big, big takeaway here, that um, if you're listening to this call, you can go ahead and start the process of creating a, a, a truer environment in your family through this method and through, um, you know, just sort of playing around with who you are in your family, what your role is, and it's a beautiful healing that's possible. And it's, a very, it's not that complex. You know, there are a couple of hard conversations you have to have, but in general... Um, there, there are really cool ways to get through to your family that really do have an impact, a long-lasting impact, and create more, more, uh, a more healthy environment in your health. Yeah, so tell us more, if you don't mind, about what the process is. Because I think one of the main challenges that um, young adults in particular face is that you know, oftentimes we uh, we want to do something or we have ambitions or aspirations and we tell our parents about it and they just shoot us down and they say we're unrealistic or like it, they they kind of play a hate right on our on our dreams in yes. a sense and and okay. how do we how do we move past that so I think and at the same time right we want to love them and like these are the people who have sacrificed their life who have slaved over our every little piece of saliva and drool since we've been a baby. So there's this, yes. there's this weird balance between love and, and almost resentment a bit. And so what's some of the process that you were speaking about? How can we go about um, moving forward and he- healing some of those more difficult relationships? So it's a long process, and it's not a hard process, but it's something that has to be respected. Um, there, the whole 
the whole, I just want to address one thing that you said, which I think is really important to address. The way that our parents play a hate on our dreams is just them being upset and scared that they didn't follow theirs. And so okay. for us to, instead of so being so obsessed about how, how can I curse again? Absolutely, okay? please. Instead of us being so upset about how fucked up it is that they are not supporting us, we actually have to realize that nobody supported them. They don't know how to support us because they have no vocabulary for support. Who supported them? The best thing we can do at first is ask our parents about what their experience of their childhood and their teenage years was because that will give us a really good idea of the reactionary behavior that they're now playing out on us. See? Okay. And, and the, the process of going through the coaching is really, it really only points to respecting the lineage of your family, really learning what happened and how it went and why your parents are the way that they are, and then tinkering with it. Everybody together, healthfully and, and transparently tinkering with it. So like this, um, there's a process called the, the 18 areas of life. It's actually a, a, the first piece of homework that you would do in this, uh, in this methodology. And you get to write down all the 18 areas of your life, from your personal space to your career, business, or school life, your relationship with money, your relationship with anyone else, if you're in a relationship or not, um, romance, sex, community, character traits, family, time, relationship to yourself, um, relationship to bad habits, home, personal space, like I said, learning, uh, you know, about things that interest you, not just going to school, but are you learning to play the guitar like you want to, or are you learning to speak Spanish like you want to, even if it's not a part of school. Um, fun and adventure is an area. Spirituality is an area, which is really however you define it. And health is an area as well. So you really want to get, um, you get clear on what your vision is for each one of these areas. And then you start to see, like in your relationship, for example, to yourself, I, a, a really nice vision or dream for that area would be I love myself I take care of myself. I respect my body's needs. I go to sleep when it needs to go to sleep. I work when it's time for work. I really um, am magically transformed every day by the way in which I am respecting my body. And then we get to go in and say, okay, so really, really, that's a beautiful dream, and that does make the hair on my arm stand on, but stand on end, but where am I in relationship to that dream right now? I'm really kind of, if I were to rate it on a scale of 1 to 10, I'm kind of at like a 5. I stay up till 3 in the morning. I don't eat breakfast. When I eat lunch, I, I wolf down four hamburgers and french fries, whatever the case is. And you rate each area. I'm being facetious, by the way, although I do love hamburgers. I would never wolf down <laughs> four of them in a row. And you rate each area and you, and you see where you are in relationship to what you have laid out for yourself as the ideal. And then you write down the reasons why you don't have it. And in the reasons why you don't have it lies all of the work that we have to do. And what's amazing about that is it's really evident and plain once you start to play around with the reasons why you don't have your dream, you can really see that actually... I 
there are basically three conversations that I need to have. One's with my mom, and I need to ask her to please do this or stop doing that and ask her in a way that is grateful, thankful, and that will make this part of my life easier and that will make loving myself a little easier. You know what I mean? If you, get to the, you get to see exactly who you can call on if it's not yourself to help you and how you can call on them in a really elegant and graceful way so that your life is a better place to be. And that's how the process begins. And the handout group is, what's amazing about them is that they're doing programs in universities and in massive big companies, Sony, Vogue, um, so many different companies that I'm, I don't have the list in front of me, but it's really impressive. But their whole mission is to get it to the younger generations. Their ultimate goal is to get it into elementary schools as a curriculum, get it into um, high schools as a curriculum. Like, how great would it be if you had a choice for truth-telling 101, having hard conversations 201? Like, can you imagine that that would be a class that you could take, that you could be a leader in your family? Not just in your community, but you could be a leader in your family. It's the most uh, incredible potentiality. And I'm super excited to be a part of it. And I've seen it work for um, not only teenagers, but kids of every age all the way up through adulthood. Really exciting. Yeah, it kind of baffles me a little bit. We have all these different subjects in school. We have math and science and English and algebra, right? All these crazy subjects that maybe we'll use, maybe we won't. But most of the learning it feels like that takes place in the traditional educational life is external. I'm learning about other things, but there was never a class where I got to learn about myself. There was never a class where people asked me questions to help me figure out who am I, what is my purpose in this world, what is my nature, how do I function best, what factors play a role in my quality of life and my well-being. So as you're painting this vision for um, what you guys feel like, will be most beneficial for you to put your energy towards and kind of where your, your mission and your purpose is completely resonates and, uh, and I'm, ha- I'm thrilled to hear it. And going, going back a little bit to what you were saying, as we, as we go through this process of figuring out where we are, right? So we go through these 18 different areas and we figure out, okay, we rate ourselves. Where are we? Okay, boom, I'm a five in this one area because I eat four mm-hmm. hamburgers a day. And then... <laughs> Then, and then the next part is, okay, well, what are, what are the reasons, right? Why are we like that? And I think this is the part that is really interesting for, for me out of uh, just where I'm at in life right now. What you said was, what are the reasons? So once we start to, like people listening to this call, they can go through this, they can identify these different areas and figure out, okay, wh- where am I in, on a scale of 1 to 10? And then I'm here, and then what are the reasons? So once they start to list the reasons, how do they – what do they do at that point, right? How do they close the gap between where they currently are and where they want to be? And what do they do once they have those reasons written down? So the, the closing of the gap is where the coaching becomes most important and most um, potent. Um, let's say, for example, uh, in one of my dreams I had that I was, I was super kind all the time to my child and to my husband, okay? And now my husband and I have broken up, and we are the best of friends, 
and I know this is going to sound crazy and weird, but I had a best I have a best girlfriend for the past 13 years who I've known since I broke up with my husband, since we broke up and it was a, a, uh, an amicable breakup, um, I've known that they should be together and finally got, got the courage to say, hey guys, I know that I love you both so much and um, I really think that you guys should actually be a couple and they both thought it was weird and gross and then finally were like, well, he's kind of really hot and she's kind of really cute so let's <laughs> just see and sit down and they got together and they're together and it's awesome. But when I wrote this dream, I wasn't being nice to him. I wasn't being a great mom. I was being the reaction, the, re- the, the, the reaction to my parents. And I was being temperamental. I was yelling too loud. I was being too quick with my movements. I can name on one hand the times that I actually was physical with my child, which is disgusting, and I never, ever am going to do that again. And I talk about it out loud so that I never do it again. But I wasn't my dream. And to close the gap, I had to start to create a series of promises and consequences for myself so that I would change my behavior. Now, and stay with me because this, this sounds a little more complicated than it actually is. Um, let's say, for example, that if I were to yell at my child one more time, he would get sick. Okay? That would be a consequence that would lead me to never yell at my child again, right, because he would, get, he would get sick. What we do is we design consequences for our behavior similar to such a thing, not so punishing necessarily, but something that puts our attention on the behavior so that we don't do it anymore. So let's say, for example, you are struggling because you just can't seem to wrap your mind around algebra homework and you just refuse to do it and you're going to get D and you don't give a shit. You really want to, to get an A or maybe a B plus would be awesome even. And you just can't seem to like pull yourself together to rally for the homework and ask somebody for help. So a promise would be, okay, daily basis, if I look at the homework and I get that feeling in my stomach again that I just am going to say, fuck it, I'm not doing it, I'm going to go ask somebody for help. If I don't ask somebody for help, I'm going to eat a raw egg. I'm going to put a dollar on the street. I'm going to have to call my grandmother and talk to her for 30 minutes. Whatever it is. It's, it has a, a, like a, an air of, of hilarious um, but yet functional to it, the consequence. Okay? Um, I have a consequence that if I smoke another cigarette ever in my life, I have to give $1,000 to my boyfriend's ex-girlfriend, who I love, who is a really good friend of mine, but I don't want to give anybody $1,000. Right? So I, I'm not going to smoke another cigarette. You see, because it, not because it's, it's the grossest thing ever, but it's also like, that's, that's, I'm, not, I'm not paying that. So you want to set up a series of promises and consequences that actually help you design your behavior, that actually help you design your life. That's what we're after here. No more, no less. And, and how do you? It, it is, yeah. It's it's hilarious one, but two, it seems and very hilarious. effective. Yeah, and I'm curious how you know that you'll stick to the commitment of giving a thousand dollars if you smoke that cigarette. I have to. I don't have a choice. It's, it's part of my it's part of my promises. I have a list of promises, and every single week, I submit on Monday. 
the promises to my coach. I say, okay, this one's online, this one's not online. I'm here, I love here. Um, you know, it's 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 more like it's it's more about getting proud of ourselves because for me, it was so long before I was able to see that I really am doing great work in the world. I really could be mm-hmm. proud of myself. I really can feel that way and it can be okay for me to be proud of myself and not feel like I'm doing something wrong. A lot of us were raised by people who were raised by people who discouraged being proud. So if your grandparents were, you know, very stoic and very kind of, you know, thinking that they were heroic and God bless them, you know, that's what got them through so much. There was so much in that time. Um, but then they gave that to your parents, and your parents chose to take it with them to you. And now you have a choice. Are you going to take that with you? Because it's from World War II, and you might not need it. You yeah. see? Like, and, and that's where it's so cool, because you start to see where your, your littlest behaviors, <clears throat> because you're afraid to ask for help on algebra, and so you're going to get a D. <laughs> is actually coming from your grandfather or his father even, who was too proud because he had some crazy, crazy experience in a war or as a result of a war in his job that he was doing. Something happened where he became too proud to ask for help. And so here you are living out that legacy, choosing it perfectly so that you could learn to do it the other way, another way and be more honest and be more humble and be more vulnerable. And as a result, someday be an adult who teaches other adults and other children how to be a great human and honor your past. You know, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, I love it. And I feel like as as a culture that it's easy to feel really isolated and oftentimes Mm -hmm. when when we have a problem, like, we don't want to go, I mean, like we want help, but we don't want to ask for help because we feel that if we ask for help, we'll be exposed as being, we'll be vulnerable. And if we're vulnerable, that could somehow mean that we're weak and we don't want to be exposed as not having all the answers figured out. Um, So it makes us, I think, when we face a problem, oftentimes, instead of looking for that community connection and figuring out, okay, who has dealt with this before? Where can I go for help? Oftentimes we just, go back and we seclude ourselves from the rest of the world. So my next question is, how can we develop a sense of community filled with people who we can go to in those challenging times and filled with people who inspire us? And also, what's the overall importance of that? Community is a huge deal. And, you know, as you know, if if you're listening to this call and you can name for yourself maybe three or four close friends, you're really, really lucky. Um, because for most of the, you know, most of the of the population, one or two people is a, a lot of a support system. To have a community means to have a lot more than that, and to have a whole series of people who can support you and be with you on your mission and listen to you. As a teenager, I think it's really, really hard to create community and find a way to. Um, 
you know, have a whole cadre of people around you who really do get you, who really do support you, and who really are looking out for your best interests and not just interested in, you know, your money or your party time, whatever it is. Um, and to that end, I think it would be a really cool thing to suggest a going to um, classes like yoga, um, meditation. Usually you'll find free classes in such things offered either at your school or nearby. It's pretty easy to Google free yoga, free meditation, and just start to go see what's going on. And you'll find in some of those classes, you'll find a bunch of crazy people, you know, hippies chanting. And then in some of them, just to be honest, because that is, it, it's out there, and I'm, I fully support all chanting hippies because I can be one of them from time to time, but I want to speak to the people that I'm speaking to. And, you know, when I was a teenager, I didn't want anything to do with any hippies or any chanting for that matter. Um, what you can really start to see is <clears throat> find places and communities where you feel very much part of things. And that's a beautiful feeling to um, to discover in yourself. Then there's also the whole aspect of what's available in your school itself. There could be <clears throat> all kinds of things that you don't even know about that you haven't researched yet. And then... Uh, if, there, if none of those things work out, it's not in your town and it's not in your school, there are other resources. So you can go to handelgroup.com and check out the whole education division, uh, HG and universities and schools, and start to read about <clears throat> what is going on. Um, there's uh, one of the coaches called Will Craig who programs for teens and even for tweens, but most of his, um, his uh, focus is on the teens. Um, he gives programs a few times a year. Some are on the phone, and some are online, and some are in person in New York City or elsewhere. Um, check that out. And then for yoga and meditation, you can actually study really easily online on a website called Yoga Glow, Y-O-G-A-G-L-O.com. And I'm on there, and just a handful of teachers are on there from all over the world. We, I think we're about 17 of us now, somewhere in that number. And um, we're all teaching out of a studio in Santa Monica in California. And we go and teach for a few days. They save the recordings of what we filmed. And then they go ahead and post one of our classes every two weeks. So I do meditation. I do yoga. There's all kinds of different um, offerings that are there on that site. There's ways to build communities online for ourselves, and especially if you're still in high school, or even if you're in middle school, <clears throat> it costs $18 a month to be on Yoga Glow, but if you're interested, you can check it out for two weeks for a trial. You can check it, show it to your parents. If your parents are not those kind of parents and are really, really unwilling to deal, you might have an aunt or a grandparent who would be willing to support your, your research and your exploration. And I think there's nothing more important than something that truly interests you and you taking the initiative to find out if it's something that works for you. And you could definitely know in two weeks after being on a trial with Yoga Glow if it's for you. Um, so that's one thing. And, and definitely check out the handout group too. If this, this feels, like, feels like you want to be kind of a leader in your own house and, 
and take your family to a place where there's a little more honesty and a little more clarity and a little more sweetness around, um, I say I say you go for it. Okay, love it. Awesome. And I want to honor your time. And then I also have a couple, maybe two more questions that I really want to get out yeah. there. So cool. So let's transition a little bit. And I think one of the things that I know I felt when I was in my early 20s was that I really wanted to make an impact in the world, but I didn't really know what the possibilities were or what the options were, and I didn't know about, I didn't know enough about myself. I think it was so much of an identity quest at that stage, wow. kind of who, who am I and what the hell am I here to do and how do I figure it out, and without guidance like conversations like this and people just in everyday regular life are so entranced in the Whatever, whatever kind of culture they're in that oftentimes we, we don't have the, the guidance to move forward. So I, I want to bring it back to impact. And I heard you say something that really struck me uh, at some point when I was uh, doing a little bit of research for this interview. And what, what you said is you cannot make the world a better place unless you've, unless you've gone inside and done that in yourself in a deep and profound way. And yeah. that just struck me as like, holy shit, there's something there. I got to talk to her about that. So can you explain a little bit more what you mean by going inside and, and making the change inside of ourselves first before we do it out in the world? Yeah. So I think the most important thing is to identify what it is that is frustrating you about your own behavior or about somebody else's behavior. Here's what's fun. If you are focusing on what somebody else is doing, and I don't discourage you from doing that, you get to write down all the ways in which that particular behavior just completely rankles you. And then you get to write down how you yourself have in some shade or form that exact same trait. That is a rule, a cardinal rule. There's no question about it. Anything that you can recognize in somebody else you have. So backing up for a moment, if there is something about somebody else that you really, really cannot stand, really, truly cannot stand, and you've identified it. You know exactly what it is. You've identified it in yourself. You know exactly what it is. In order to make the environment within yourself a place where you want to live, the next step is actually to confess, to cop to, own up to the way that trait lives in you with all the people around you who are impacted by that trait. It's just exactly what we wish uh, anybody would do. Saddam Hussein, like, could you just come to us and just say that you're sorry and start, start over? Could, could, could any, of, any dictator, any person who has, who has taken lives unnecessarily, like, it, it owns, own it. Can you please? So we go around all day and we're mean to our moms, we're mean to our dads, we're dismissive with our siblings fuck you, we don't, don't get out of my room. And it's like, do you know how that feels? You might even know how that feels because if you look back, if you have an older sibling and you've had that happen to you, wow. Or, God forbid, abuse. If you're, if you're being emotionally abused by a parent or, or a, a relative or a sibling, verbally abused, sexually abused, physically abused, I bet you a million dollars that the person doing the abuse was abused themselves. So for you to go ahead and just see where in yourself, not to say that you're an abuser, 
but to think about where in yourself some form, even if it's super, super light, of abuse lingers in your behavior, you will save the planet. You will go ahead and then cop to the person that you've been mean to or abusive to in any way, and then that will start the chain. Maybe the person who was such with you would someday, as a result of your inner work, come to you and be willing to apologize, and maybe not. But it doesn't matter because if you clean up your interior pollution, there is a movement in progress, and you can start that movement yourself. That's what it means to sort of be clear about where you are internally. Okay. Right on. Yeah, and that I'm curious how that how that tracks back to what you were saying at the beginning of the conversation about when you were smoking weed when you were in your teens and how that led you to learn some lessons about moderation and trusting yourself and, and the possibilities. How does that tie into trusting ourselves? Listen, if I, I'm going to be perfectly honest, I have boundaries around all substance use now, okay? So I don't particularly love to drink, so that doesn't need a, a boundary, but, you know, I'm allowed to do certain things a certain number of times a month. That's it. Because me, I would do things every day if I could. <laughs> and that doesn't work for my life, and it doesn't work for who I am. It doesn't work for what I stand for. It just doesn't. So the boundary is incredibly helpful. That's a promise. It has a consequence, and it has value and meaning to me. And that's what I'm talking about. Like if you're consistently really mean to your sibling or your mom, you know, you go ahead and you tell them, hey, you know what, I'm done with this. I don't want to be mean to you anymore. It feels shitty inside of my body when, I'm, when I do it. I know it feels shitty for you. So here's my promise. If I'm mean next time, I have to, I don't know, rub your feet, or I have to <laughs> do the grocery shopping for you, or I have to wash the car. You know, something very simple and immediately consequential that will help you to, in a way, arrest the moment of distraction when you're being an asshole and start you on a course of actually being really great and, and getting proud of yourself and getting to the place, to cycle back, where you trust yourself to do the right thing no matter what's in front of you, no matter what kind of crazy town craziness is in front of you, you know because you've been through this, you've created the promises and consequences, you've been through this, you know that you're going to do the right thing and you do it. You freaking do it. And that is the greatest feeling out there, the greatest high on earth, as my coach says, is being able to trust yourself. I can't pay money. I can't smoke a thousand joints to get to that place of trusting myself. Trusting myself is about me in the moment when my kid doesn't listen for a third time. <laughs> me not freaking out. It's me going, you know what? I actually need a little bit of space right now because I'm getting super frustrated. So I'm going to walk over here. And I'll talk to you in five minutes, okay? <laughs> and then he gets it and he, because he's seen my struggle. He's seen me freak out. He's seen me go crazy. He's seen me lose my shit plenty of times and then apologize for that. And the struggle that I have to not lose my shit because that's what my dad did. And by the way, I can't even blame him because I chose 
to take that with me into my parenting. And now I'm choosing otherwise. And now I trust myself. There's no more freaking out on him. There's no more huge voice. Just, nah, there's none of that anymore. It's really like, okay, Sona, I'm in that place right now where normally before this I would have completely freaked out. I'm not going to do it right now, but I need to take some space and walk over here. And it works. And I trust myself. And I know that no matter what he throws at me, I'm going to be fine. Yeah, I love it. Absolutely love it. Cool. Well, I want to I wanna honor your time and appreciate you so much for just the authenticity and all the, uh, what's the best way to put it? It's a feeling that I have just that the challenges that you've gone through and how you've been able to go through them opposed to try to pretend that they didn't exist and ultimately use the wisdom that you gained through those challenges and be able to share that in a constructive way, in an authentic way, like you just did in this conversation, and I'm sure like you do in other areas of your life. Hugely appreciated. And before I let you go, I want to ask you one more question on an up note, and it is, what, what excites you about the future? Um, I think the one, the one main thing that excites me about the future is something we've already touched upon, which is the possibility that in high schools and in elementary schools there could be classes about having tough conversations. That assignments could be for children to go home and using grace and wisdom in equal measures find a new way talk to their parent who is unreachable, find a new way to talk to their sibling who has typically been completely absent, find a new way to build bridges between themselves and other teachers who are giving them a hard time, or employers, just to get, to get children and teenagers understanding and comfortable with creating context for challenging conversations. That, to me, is ridiculously exciting, and it's why I went from... You know, I, I'm still a yoga teacher and I still am completely crazily passionate about it, but it's why I took the yoga and moved it into the coaching and will stay sort of in this parallel path for as long as I can because I want, I want, that, for this, I want that for this world. I want, I want children and teenagers to know how to um, create context and have those conversations with great ease We'll have a lot of good people floating around on the on the planet if we do that. Love it. Again, well, thank you so much for your time. It's an honor and a pleasure, and excited to connect more in the future. So, again, big appreciation. Uh, you're welcome, honey. You're welcome. And I'm so grateful for, for your time and for having me. And um, if there's anyone who would like to reach me at all, if there's anyone who would like to study on Yoga Glow and for some reason cannot, um, create the the circumstances to do so, whether it's financially or otherwise. Don't hesitate to email me. We'll have my information available um, along with the with the post with the conversation. Absolutely love it. Thanks again. Thank you again. Let's take a look at some of my favorite big ideas from this interview. Big idea number one: play a hate in parents. When our parents play a hate on our dreams, it's because they're upset and scared that they didn't follow theirs. Instead of getting upset when they don't support you, you've got to understand that no one supported them. They don't know how to support because they have no vocabulary for support. 
One of the things you can do is ask your parents what their experience as a teenager and young adult was like. That'll give you a really good idea of the reactionary behavior that they're now playing out on you. We want to respect the we want to respect the lineage of our families, learn what's happened, how it went, and why your parents are the way they are. Then you can work with it. Big idea number 2: promises and consequences. When you know that there's something you need to change, who can you find to hold you accountable? Set up a promise with them that if you don't do what you said, then there'll be a consequence. Now, the consequence isn't meant to harm you, it's meant to annoy you. For instance, if you smoke a cigarette, then you'll have to give $100 away to some politician you dislike. Or, if you don't go to the gym, then you'll need to eat a raw egg. You get it? We don't want to hurt you, we just want to annoy you. That brings us to big idea number 3, community. If you can name 3 close friends, you're pretty damn lucky. Here's the thing though, we need community in our lives. Get this, it gives us meaning, it gives us happiness, and it helps us deal with challenges. It's a really big idea. It gives us meaning, happiness, and helps us deal with challenges. If you don't have a strong sense of community in your life, make it a goal to build one. And if you're not sure where to find like-minded people, get creative. Start with a yoga class or a meditation class. Go to meetup.com and look for groups that interest you. Soul sibling, thank you so much for rocking with us. I appreciate you and I appreciate that you're using your time and your energy toward making yourself a better person and the world a better place. So, if you'd like to keep in touch, I'd love it if you subscribe to the podcast and I'm excited to deepen our relationship, to get to know each other better over time and to see how I can help you solve meaningful challenges and create your most fulfilled life. We've got a great community over here. and we run retreats all over the world we've got people who connect with each other and support each other in living the most fulfilled life and what i'd suggest for your next step is to grab a copy of the 12 things happy people do differently it's a scientific based approach to happiness and there's a lot of great wisdom out there but this in particular is researched back from some of the world's leading positive psychologists in the world and it's super grounded super practical how you could do these 12 things that happy people do differently and rock it the article's been shared over 100,000 times on facebook and there's some magic in there so in order to grab a copy of that you can go to thankyoujacob.com Sounds simple and it is. Thank you jacob.com and uh grab that immediately and I will keep in touch through personal emails that I send out a couple times a month and all that goodness. So for now, sending you lots of love. Keep it real. Follow your heart, but bring your head. Peace.